Amen. You guys could be seated. I'm going to introduce somebody to you in just a moment that I've shared a few grand slams with at, at Denny's. How many of you know that God works over grand slams? God, God's been working at Denny's, stirring my heart with something that Bill Vogel shared with me about opportunities to take the gospel to the lost right here in our community. It's been stirring our family too. Our oldest son, Jaden's a senior. He gets out of school early. He and I are both feeling stirred to, to take the step and get trained for what he's gonna present today. And I just wanna encourage you, if God tugs your heart the same way, there's a sign-up list out there. It'll probably be Saturday, November 4th, over here in this building for three or four hours. We'll nail down the day and time. They'll train us, equip us to do what he's going to share with you. And I just want to share one more thing. If the enemy's been working in your life this week to discourage, defeat, distract, or divide, I personally believe, and I'm humble enough to admit it, I could be wrong. God might tell you, Scott, you were wrong on that. But I personally believe some of it's connected to this opportunity we've been praying about behind the scenes. The enemy does not want this going forward. But, but we serve a Savior who is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And we're going to pray and then invite Bill Vogel up here. Lord, we praise you. The enemy is no match for you. You take all things and work them together for good. You are victorious. Nothing can thwart your purpose. And I pray that you prepare our hearts, that your spirit would move as you see fit, as Bill and Beth come up and share this opportunity. I believe for some of us, you, you've put us here for such a time as this. And I pray that you just move us according to your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. With that said, I want to invite Bill Vogel up. I want you to give him a warm welcome here. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thank I'm you. sorry we don't have pancakes this morning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great time together. You have a wonderful pastor. You have a wonderful church. And I want to just welcome you to the church of Jesus Christ. Here this morning. I want to start off by, first of all, always I like to start off by just praising our Lord and thanking him for this opportunity. So would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Father God, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for what you did, for dying on the cross, for our sins, for just giving us the opportunity for our sins to be forgiven and that we can now rejoice in the fact that you have overcome death through the resurrection and that you now reign on high and will soon be returning. Lord, we pray that you will give me the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart as I share from the word of God today. In thy name alone, in Jesus' name, amen. There's uh, something special about first words and last words. Uh, today is Grandparents' Day. 
And we all recognize that there are people in this audience today that are also born-again believers, but their parents and their grandparents and children Thank you, brother. I was saying that there are, are words, first words and last words are so important. And as a parent, how many of you here are parents? How many of you are grandparents? Well, we got a big crowd of parents and big grandparents. And we always look forward to those first words. I know as a parent, I can remember when my first child was born. Happens to be here today. And I remember listening and waiting for that moment when that first word would come out of the mouth of that child. And I was hoping it would be daddy. And it turned out to be mama. And I look at my grandchildren today and I see them growing up and I wait for the first word. And that first word has got to be grandpa, right? But it doesn't always happen that way. But first words are so important to us. But also our last words. Last words are important. Have you ever been at the deathbed of somebody who's dying? And you know we all have our first word and we all have our last word. We'll all be able to say one thing last to the people that we most love. And I've been in a hospital room with my mother there passing away or my father passing away. And I would anxiously wait to hear that last word. I would even bend down, open my ears as wide as I could. And even in the muffle of the pain and suffering that they were giving, I wanted to hear that last word. Well, in the Bible, Turn to the book of Luke. There's some last words that Jesus gives. And in Luke 23, verse 28, here's Jesus. And we see Jesus is coming to the end. He's been tried. He's been whipped. He's been beat. And... Jesus says this as he's walking down the aisle towards the death, towards his death. He says, Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourself and your children. Imagine this for a moment. Think about this. Let's say we were lined up along the road as Jesus had just been gone through the trials. He's walking down this road. And imagine this road. It's a cobblestone road. It's probably covered with dust. And we can look down this way and we can see Jesus is coming. We can look this way and we can see the Mount of Golgotha, the place where the crosses are going to be 
put into the ground and Jesus is going to hang and die for your sins. As we look down this way, we see Jesus coming. We see him stumbling under the weight of the cross. We see him as he gets closer and closer. Look, look, look at his face. Look at his face. It's beaten. There's blood flowing down from it. The crown of thorns has been pressed down upon his head. Blood is flowing. His eyes are swollen shut. The beard has been ripped out of his face. And he's walking along. And there's groups of people that are standing alongside that road. And as they stand alongside that road, think about what part you might play in this group. There's a group of people there that are cheering and saying, ah, oh, this is the worst man that ever lived. This man deserves to die. He thinks he's the son of God. Another group is standing there and they're just kind of looking and they're taking it all in. And they're saying to themselves, why? Why is this happening? There's some other people there that are probably standing there and they're looking and they're seeing as Jesus approaches and they're just saying to themselves, how could this happen? And meanwhile, he keeps walking forward and there's people that are standing there and there's there people who have known him, people of the way that are probably taking their cloak, trying to hide themselves, thinking that they'll be the next. They'll be the next in line. They see the Roman soldiers beating him, prodding him along. And as Jesus walks along, there's a group of women standing there. And they're crying. They're crying and they're weeping. They're weeping because they think this is the end. This is the savior that I've followed and I've watched for years. And now he's going to be gone. He's going to be crucified on the cross. And think about the noises that you hear. Think about the fact that up on the hill, you can see them already pounding the crosses together. They're getting ready to dig the holes in Golgotha so that they can put those crosses in there. And think of where you would have been in that crowd. Would you have been one of those that would have been hiding out? Would you have been one of those that would have been jeering? Would you have been one of those that would have been crying? I don't know what God would have done in your life at that point. But I know one thing. There were these women and they were crying. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops in the midst of all this pain. And you can see Jesus. And he's got scars and wounds all over his body. It's black and blue. It's bleeding from the whip that has been crossed across his back. The whip had little stones, pieces of metal in it, came down on Jesus' back. And every time it would go down, it would scratch his back 
open it up to the wounds. All for one thing. All so that you and I would have salvation. And sometimes I wonder, why? Why did he have to go through all that? He could have called down 10,000 angels. He could have said, not me. I'm sure the people who were standing in those lines were wondering, what's this all about? But when Jesus stopped, he said, don't cry for me. Cry for the yourself and cry for your children. Children are important. Children are important. If you turn in your Bibles to the book of Lamentations, in the book of Lamentations it says, arise. In the book it says, Lamentations 2.9, it says, arise. Cry out in the night. In the beginning of the watches, pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up thy hands towards him for the life of the young children that faint for hunger at the top of every street. Listen, folks. How long has it been since you've wept for the hearts of our children? Our children are in crisis. Our children in the world today are in a desperate strait. My wife and I are missionaries with Child Evangelism Fellowship. We bring the gospel to children. We see the importance of how God saw children. God saw children in a very special way. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Bible, he sprinkles it all throughout the scripture. Frank wrote, uh, mentioned a scripture this morning when he said in Matthew 18, 14, he said, even so, it is not the will of the Father that any one of these little ones should perish. And that word perish is the same word you will find in John 3, 16. That perish is to be separated eternally from God. How long has it been since you truly wept for the children of the community, for the children of the world? There is a spiritual hunger today in the land. All you have to do is turn on the television. All you have to do is walk through the streets. All you have to do is be aware. That spiritual hunger is children today are desperately, desperately looking for a footing in our crazy world. You know, we as adults are looking for a footing in our crazy world. But our children are desperately looking for a footing in our crazy world. The fact is that if we as a church do not teach our children 
If we as Christian parents do not teach our children, the world will. Now some of you may be blessed to have your children involved in a Christian school like Trinity Christian School. And Trinity Christian School is doing a mighty work to build believers and to build young children to understand the truth of God's word. But outside of the door of this church, outside of the door of this school, there is a world of children that are totally separated from God. They are totally biblically illiterate. When you ask a child, I stood in front of a classroom of children in a public school, Baltimore, Maryland, not too long ago, and I said, there were about 40 children there. And you ask a child, at what age were you? I said to them, what is sin? And I listened for the answer. And as I kept prodding them along, what is sin? One child raised his hand and he said, is that something you eat? That's how illiterate the world is outside of this church. We have a generation of children that no, not long, no longer know God, that have been raised by a generation that no longer knows God. They would not feel the pain of what I expressed to you this morning of seeing Jesus walk in front of them because they don't know what Jesus can mean to them in their life. Churches today, and I'm not speaking of this church, believe me, but I am in many churches all across the world. We speak in different churches of different Sundays, different denominations, different church families. And as I speak to them, the one thing I noticed is churches today are still living in the past. Not this one, maybe. I see many great things happening here. But they're living in the past. They think that the world is the same as it was 30 years ago. It's not. We used to be able to open the doors of our churches and people would come into them. We would say we would have a fine pastor or we would have a great music program or we would have this or we would have that. And we'd throw open our doors and people would come into the churches. Or if there was a national calamity or if there was an issue that we faced as a body of Christ outside in our community and we saw the pain of it, it would draw people into our churches. That's not the same as it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Church of God, we need to reach outside the doors. God has given us some tremendous opportunities. And I can see just listening to what Pastor was sharing this morning and just knowing his heart. He has a desire to have a church that is known to be a beacon of light out inside the, outside into the community. 
we can no longer be insulators and incubators. Ask yourself a question. Ask yourself a question. Why was I saved? Why did God reach down and pluck me out of all the people in the world? Why did God take me, a wretched sinner, and reach down into my life, pull me out, and give me salvation? Give me eternal life. Give me the opportunity to go out and preach the gospel. Give me the opportunity to do what we do as Christians. Why did he do that for just you? If we go outside the door of this church today, and we need to learn how to share the gospel. Many of us have heard the gospel many times, but so few people are sharing the gospel with others. God has given us a great opportunity. In 2001, the United States Supreme Court ruled that we can take the gospel into every public school in the United States. Did you hear that? We can take the gospel into every public school in the United States. We often complain. We often get frustrated with what we see in the newspaper. We think and we watch our children grow up and we see what they're struggling with. We see what they're watching on TikTok. We see how many parents have provided the gadgets for their own children to get involved in por pornography. We see all that. But God has chosen a body of Christ and he's given us an opportunity when he opened the doors of every public school in the United States and he gave opportunity all around the world for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But imagine walking into a public school and being able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can. And we do that through a ministry called Good News Clubs. I want you to think for just a minute about what that means. Have you ever gone down the freeway and just looked around at how many people are passing you by and asked yourself a simple question, how many of these people know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you ever driven by a public school and just seen all these children teeming in the public school play yards? And ask yourself a question, how many of these children will come to know Christ as their savior? How many of these children will understand that the only thing that will ever change for them is if Jesus touches their heart? You know, we look at this world and we have so many problems and challenges. We're out there every day and we see them. We talk about kids now that are involved in gender identity problems. We talk about issues with children that are disobedient to parents. We talk about families that are being split up. We talk about all these issues and we always go, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. But you realize 
that every person that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior does not have the Holy Spirit living within them. They cannot discern the truth. You could not discern the truth. You could not even understand what it meant. You had blinders on just like they did. It's only when they have the opportunity to know about Jesus as their Savior that they have an opportunity to see things differently. And that's why God saved you. That's why God saved me. Because each one of us, each one of us has a specific role that God has placed in your heart to use for the kingdom of God and to grow the kingdom of God. It may not be that you're a teacher for children, but you may be an administrator. You may have been given a talent that God gave you that you've learned from your former employment or from what you've learned in life, but that's all there for one reason, and that is to share who Jesus Christ is with a dying and very desperate world. You and I need to recognize that. We are the spokesman for Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in us. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we got an added advantage as a Christian. An added advantage. Do you know what the added advantage is that each one of you has? The Holy Spirit reigns in your life in such a way that he can discern truth. Do you know what truth is today? It's so difficult to discern. Can you imagine what truth is for a child? It is so difficult to discern because they don't have the spirit of Jesus Christ in them. But because you do, you have the truth. You have God's word. You can look at this and this becomes real. You will not only have the spirit of discernment, you have a special way of having a connection with God. The Holy Spirit takes your words, your filthy, sinful words, the words that you have in your life, and he filters them through a filter called the Holy Spirit so that God gets interpreted those words. And God's words, which are perfect and holy, are filtered back through that Holy Spirit, and they come back into your life as God's word in your life. God God himself is living within you. God has chosen you for a very special time in history. You know, I'm going to have my wife come up right now, and I want her to share with you. This is my wife now of 52 years. We have 26, 27 grandchildren, and we have, I don't know how many great-grandchildren. We have quite a few of them now. But God has been so good to us. But I want her to share with you what we're doing in the public schools. And then I'll come back. I love that guy. (laughs) 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of salvation for all who believe. We have the bread of life, and we can bring it to the starving children. Feed the children. Years ago, I received a bag like this. How many of you know CEF, are familiar with it? Raise your hand. I want to see how many here. Yes, yes. I see that row. Yes, yes. A few of you. How many of you know of the wordless book? A few of you, a few of you, yes, yes. The Wordless Book is a book of colors that we use it to share the gospel with children. CF is famous for it. Others have used it too. A few years ago, now more years than it used to be. That's the way it happens, doesn't it? I received a bag in my missionary, in my Christmas box from my sister, who is a missionary in Latin America. And it looked kind of like this one. And I thought, oh, how sweet. My sister sent me a pot holder, and I don't even like to cook. How sweet is that? And then I saw it came with a note, and it said, Beth, I hope you enjoy your gospel bag. And I thought, oh, a gospel bag. All right, wordless book. First page is the gold page. Actually, it's the last page, but we start with the last page. Christians, what does gold stand for to us Christians, tell me. Gold, the color gold. Gold. What? Wheat can be golden? Yes, what else? Oh, I'll tell you. I know a city out of this world where the streets are made of gold. People do lots of things to get gold, money, power, strength. In this city, we will be walking on it. Can you tell me the name of this city? Heaven. Yes, yes, yes. That city where everything will be better than you can imagine. There will be fragrances like you've never smelt. There will be colors like you've never seen. I tell the children, this is one thing I cannot exaggerate because the Bible says, eyes have not seen nor ears heard the wonders that God has prepared for those who love him. It is the city that God is preparing. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Six days to build this earth 2,000 years to prepare your place in heaven. It is going to be amazing. But you know one thing that is not in heaven. Darkness. Good. In CF, we used to see, say sin. And then we went to Baltimore. And we were often the only light faces in the room. And I realized that God never called sin black, though your sins were as crimson. But there is a darkness in man's souls that makes him prefer evil to good. There is something in us that just wants to rebel. How many of you, when you see a sign, do not step on the grass, just want to step on it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All the time. That is called our sinful nature, the part of us that rebels against God. And children are born with a sinful nature. Just ask any of their teachers. We work so hard to make them behave. 
we don't have to work to make them misbehave because we were born with this sinful nature and those children know but don't know what to do about it. We know, my husband wonderfully shared what Jesus went through for our salvation. Yes, of course, sin has a color and it is crimson, though your sins were as crimson. But Jesus came and shed his precious blood for you and for me. I'm going to ask you a trick question. Is Jesus God? Of course. Can you kill God? Did Jesus die? Is Jesus God? Yes. We teach the triunal God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, three in one. But we teach that God had to become flesh to dwell among us. And to become flesh, he needed a human mother. What was the name of Jesus' human mother? Some kids don't know that. Some kids in America don't know that. They don't know that the perfect son of God grew up human and God so he could die, and he really did die. When he yelled, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? It was because at that moment, the perfect son of God took on all the sins of this earth. Every bad thing you've ever done, every bad thing Hitler did, every bad thing the worst mass murderer did was put on the sacred son of God, and he who knew no sin became sin for you and for me. When the children hear the plan of salvation presented to them, the same Holy Spirit that moved in your hearts moves in theirs because it's not the intelligence. Some of the most intelligent people say no to Jesus. They are stupid, though they're intelligent. Why would you say no to Jesus? But children, unless you are converted and become as a child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Are right there. And I... I always believe if I'm sharing the plan of salvation, it's because this is their day of salvation. And they say yes to Jesus because we do not leave Jesus on the cross. Three days later, up from the grave he arose because he conquered death and because he lives those children if they accept him as their savior become new and the same holy spirit that came in you become in them and they become young saints baby christians just like when you got saved you were a baby christian because we're child evangelism and we have a weekly bible club with these kids we're not a catch and release ministry we are a catch and discipleship ministry. We teach them to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have seen many children come into Good News Club, accept Christ, start to grow, and become men and women that love God. You, too, can become a child evangelist. Now, not everyone is called to teach, but we're all called to pray. We're all called to pray. Start praying for the children in the schools. Start praying for the children today who, at the click of their phone, can see the window to hell. They need us. We're going to be having training here. We want to do 
put a team together to go into one of the public schools? Pray. When I was a little girl, I learned a song. I'm a missionary's helper, praying every day. I'm a missionary's helper. My dollars go God's way. Winning precious souls for Jesus, my heart is all aglow. I'm a missionary's helper. Pray and give and go. However God is calling you, I welcome you. There is no greater blessing to be a part of the salvation of a saint. And I'll put it back on to my wonderful, wonderful husband. And thank you. Thank you. Together for the children. Thank you. You know, as we... Isn't that great? Think of that happening in your public schools. And think of what part you could play in that. Each one of you. The children in our public schools, the children in our, in our communities need to see godly men. And this is an opportunity for you to put yourself in front of them and they will understand what a godly man is. So much of children's ministry around the world is being done by women. And that's great. But we need godly men who would see the importance of reaching our children I close with a couple of things here. We need to cry out to God for the souls of the lost that have never darkened the door of a church and will never darken the door of a church. We need to realize our children are in crisis. You know, D.L. Moody, one of the great founders of the church, a great evangelist, who spoke to many people around the world has, will have many people in heaven as a result of what he shared and how God used him. And as he spoke, many pastors would follow him around. And some of them, one day, three pastors came up to him and they said, listen, D.L., we'd like to kind of tag team alongside you and go out and see what you're doing and why you're reaching so many people for Jesus Christ. He said, sure, come along. Well, he went out and they preached all day. He shared the message of salvation. He came home that night and he said, gentlemen, come on up to my room. He came up to the room expecting to hear Again, from D.L. Moody, why and how God had used him in such a mighty way. D.L. Moody said, come over to the window. When he came, these men came over to the window, he said, what do you see? One of the pastors said, I see some beautiful trees. Another pastor said, wow. Look at those storefronts. Look at that blue sky over those storefronts. And D.L. Moody said, do you know what I see? And tears were streaming down his eyes. Those same tears that were coming from those women as they watched Jesus go by. Those tears that sometimes come from my eyes. 
and hopefully will come from yours. He said, I see thousands of people, and people include children. I see thousands of people. I see thousands of people in bondage and headed for an eternity in hell. That's what he saw. And that's why God used him. And that's why we weep. We weep for the souls of those that are lost. That's why we have a burden for the souls of the lost. That's why God has placed you here and plucked you out of everything in the world. And he said, I chose you. I chose you to be one of mine. I chose you to be the parents of those children that you're raising. I chose you for a special purpose. I didn't choose you just to be here for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years to go to church, to hear another Bible story, to go to another Bible lesson. I didn't choose you just to praise me in church. I chose you to praise me everywhere. I chose you to be a light and a beacon in your community. I chose you to be different. I chose you to show the world that there's a difference in living for Christ and a difference in dying for Christ. I chose you. Recently in our community, we built a prison. And we're building prisons and we're doing a lot of things. But when we look at that prison, we will never be able to build enough prisons. We will never be able to hire enough policemen. We will never be able to conquer what the world has put in front of us unless we change the hearts and allow God to change the hearts through us of mankind. We can build all that, but Lord help us what's coming. Our world is getting darker and darker. Your children are going to grow up with those children. Your grandchildren are going to grow up with those children that don't know Christ as their Savior and Lord. They are going to be so tempted to be drawn away from the things of God. Here's our opportunity to reach them at a very young age in our public schools. And I would hope that each one of you would take the time to walk by the, the table that's outside and just take a moment and see what God is doing in this community. We are currently in almost every school in Prescott Valley, Prescott, Chino, and Humboldt. We have a few that are still open. We are raising up teams of people in churches that say, Lord, I want to do something for the children to change the next generation for Christ. I want to step outside the doors of the church and do something for Christ. 
and we'll train you, we'll provide the curriculum, we'll provide everything you need, and we'll give you an opportunity to go right into the doors of the, at the very front of the battle for the souls and hearts of our children. And to walk into a public school and stand there and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to children that will never, ever darken the door of a church in their lifetime had it not been that you went there to share the gospel with them. I'm praying that you'll get involved. And as we close out, I want you to pray. I want you to bow your head right now. I want you to ask the Lord, what part can I play in reaching people for Jesus Christ? What could I learn and how could I become an effective person in being able to reach that neighbor that's next to me? How about those children in the public schools? How about those people that you run into every day? God has a divine appointment. He brings those people into your life so you can share the gospel with them. How can I change my family so we become a beacon of light, the light of Jesus in our community? How can I bring the truth of God's word home to our families and to our friends and to our neighbors and our associates? Ask God. Take just a few minutes and then I'll close out. Oh God, we're standing here before you, a weak people, and but you can show your strength through our weaknesses. Through your spirit, God, you can speak the word you want us to speak to those around us. We may not feel capable. We know, Lord, that we don't have all the answers, but we know who does, we know you do, and we thank you for you. We thank you for the opportunity that you placed before each one of us. We thank you for a church such as the church next door that is reaching out, that is touching lives in this special way. And Lord, as we think about our love for you, we just praise you and thank you. Lord, as we come now to a time, I just want to pray also for the offering right now. Lord, we know that you've given us so much, each one of us, especially in America. We've been such a prosperous nation. You provides so much for us. You have taken us through so much. You've given us so much freedom. You've given us everything that we need. But Lord, now we're just praying that you would take a hand off our wallets. That Lord, we would not just grasp the things that we have, hold on to so tightly and see them as important. But we too, just like D.L. Moody, would see the importance 
of a soul that is lost for eternity. We would see that the only way to change what's happening around us in our world is not the things that we think could change the things, but what you tell us in your word will change anything. And that is to see hearts changed and drawn to you. That's the real change. And Lord, we thank you now that we have an opportunity to take what you've given us and bring it to you, Lord. Not to the church, not to some program, but to you, Lord. And to sacrifice what you've given to us for you, just a token of our appreciation and love for you, that we could use these funds to grow the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom of God multiplied. In Jesus' name, amen.